Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. My name is Chad McCool and join with me as always in studio is my brother from another mother, or maybe now my adopted brother, if it all goes through, Andy Crow. It's good to see you, Andy. What's going on? Hey, uh, so update. Mom's in. I have to text. Um, mom's in, and uh, I'm supposed to give you her phone number so you can just text her whenever. All right. So I, I keep I keep forgetting that. Um, but now now, now and she hasn't called she hasn't called me today, which is disturbing because generally since the uh I believe what we're referring to as the great incident of 2023, um, she's called me like every morning at between between 645 and 830. And she hasn't called me yet, which means one of two things. Um she's got better things to do. Or she's asleep. So you not giving me her number, is that our first case of sibling rivalry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matter well, it's just because I don't think, man. Like she tells me to it's she, like I was in high school. Like she tells me to do something, like, yeah, I'll do that when I'm get around to it. And then I, I forget this. So it's coming your way now, now that I'm thinking about it. Um <laughs> do not you can't judge the picture. Um, and you can't judge her name in my phone. But there you go. So that should be coming to you. Also, um, shout out to my favorite member of First Southern Baptist Church of Westminster, uh, Melinda, for uh, you know letting letting Chadwick know that I was right on the he gets us thing. Like she agreed with me. Now, our opinions are are virtually the same. Um, but she didn't come to you and say she agreed with you. She came to you and said she agrees with me. Um, are you laughing at this or are you laughing at the picture? I'm laughing at you, but I'm laughing okay. that, I, that I just imported a contact that says mommy into That's my right. phone. That's right. That's my mommy. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, where was that? Oh, so yeah, she didn't She didn't come and say, Chad, you know, you were right. Hey, Chad, you two were right. It was, hey, Andy was right. So Melinda, if you're listening... You are my favorite. Thank you very much. Out of she's your favorite out of the three members of Southern Baptists of Westminster that you know. I you that's not it's not my fault do that I, I don't know. Him. Do I count as a member? Well, I became a member before I was the pastor, so my membership is still here. Yeah. Is I was just trying to think about what that. other is members that, besides you and her do I oh I guess Dove. Ooh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in trouble with Miss McCool now. <laughs> She's not my favorite. So if she could delay listening to this until after you leave my house next month, that would be great. <laughs> I think she's up to date. <laughs> well, I'm screwed. Uh, hey, it's but, been nice. Join Chad <laughs> next week when I'm dead. That that's a question. I have to think about this. So as the pastors of our churches, are we, we are members. Oh yeah. Because when I moved, to, to when I moved, to, well, yeah, when I moved to, well, and I'm, I'm the ex facto member of every committee, but when I moved to Terre Haute, I remember I had to move my letter. Yeah. When I got called the pastor in Terre Haute, I, I had to move my letter. So yeah. Yeah. I, I got to vote and everything. I, actually, when I was at first Southern in Terre Haute, um, as the, the youth minister there, like it was a game to me anytime that they wanted a motion. I would raise my hand because whoever was taking notes, like would put in the minutes, Oh, a motion was made by so-and-so or seconded by so-and-so. Yeah. And so it became a game to me and another one of my youth volunteers to see how many times our names could get in the minutes. It's like yearbook. Yeah. It was like, how many, how many pictures can you get in the yearbook? Mine was how many times is my name in the minutes? I think one time there was like 27 times. Andy had this motion made by Andy, second seconded made by Andy. Remarks you second. Made. You can't second your own. No, motion. no, no, no. But I'm just saying, like another motion, I would second. Or uh when asked for discussion, Andy said such and such. Andy had this question. I didn't have questions. I just wanted my name in the minutes. So somehow when we were talking to figure out what we we're gonna talk about, this has morphed into uh the Hillbilly and the Hipster presents Robert's Rules of Order. That's right. That's right. <laughs> of which I am not very good at. I used to be a lot better, but I do have a, I'm looking at a Robert's Rules for Dummies. 
that is on my bookshelf. Well, the church that we both were at, I, I what I'm gonna assume is we'll call it an interim. Yeah. Um I uh I had to help them with Robert's rules a few times. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, they wanted to have these meetings, and so I would go if it was my Sunday. You know, I'd go to the meeting just so I'd know what was going on. And they'd be like, "Well, I don't really know how to do this." And I'm like, "Let let me show you." And the only reason I know Robert's rules is from my fraternity stuff. Like we had to do everything with Rob. So like, yeah. And I was the uh, <sighs> parliamentarian or something like that. So okay. if things got out of order. I got to yell at everybody, and then and I I got to find people for like talking out of turn or not doing the proper salute. It sounds rather cultish, but whatever. Um, but yeah, SPC, like, there's a parliamentarian at the SPC at the national. Do they vote him in? Um, Cause I, I would, I would, I would levy fines. And like, if you had made me mad the week before, like may God help you. Cause it's like, Oh, uh, Josh, I'm going to find you 50 cents for not saluting the, the president. Um, oh, Jonathan, you didn't pay for my dinner when we went out the other night like you were supposed to. Uh, $10 for talking out of turn. Well, that's a SBC position I'm never nominating you for because you'll just levy fines upon me. Although I don't think the SBC parliamentarian levies fines. No, but I'm all for, like, you can nominate me for the for the parliament. Nobody will vote for me. They're like, who's that? He's a fat redhead from Kentucky. Give it to him! <laughs> Well, I was talking to, so God love them, my youth group here, and I say my youth group, like I'm just a youth volunteer right now, um, youth group here, they don't they don't know me very well, and so they asked me a question last week, and I, I gave them the answer, and they just kind of looked at me, and I was like, look, I, I was not a good person before I knew Jesus, and the answer I gave you came from my, my BC stage. And they Andy were like, BC before Christ. Yeah. They were like, what's Andy BC? And I was like, before Christ, man. And he's like, do you have an AD? And I was like, I'm living it. Not always perfect, but I'm living right. it. It was a good time. It was a good time. It was. I just pulled out, uh, I was looking at my notes, my show notes, and I just pulled out the, um, Warning I got from the Oklahoma Highway Patrol on my way to last year's SBC for speeding. So, Andy, I know we're going to, we have kind of a mixed bag today. I think we're going to talk about a bunch of different things. But why don't we talk about something that always stays true and to the point? Oh, you see what I did there? Ooh. That was nice. That was nice. Let's let's get to the point of things right now, shall we? And the point is this. St. Gagano Armory, right? They are the premier destination for handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. Why am, why am I telling you this? Because they sponsor our show and they love us. And in fact, we love them. So we're going to talk about their merchandise and how they make it. And how do they make it? They use traditional we, techniques. Create. We have to. We have to love him. He'll beat us up. He is. Yeah, he could. He could take us both at the same time um, without using the tools that he makes. Um, that's not why we love you, Keith. But we're just. That's saying. not why. But we, we, we. That reinforces it. <laughs> he uses. Traditional techniques to create unique and stunning pieces, each one embedded with the spirit of St. Gagano himself. Each item is a work of art crafted with care and attention to detail. St. Gagano Armory believes in quality and authenticity. That's why they use the finest materials and take pride in their commitment to craftsmanship. Products are not only beautiful, but very functional. So, why settle for generic mass-produced items when you can own something that's hand-forged, unique, and helps the community out at the same time because a portion of every sale goes back into the community. So visit them today at stgaganoarmory.etsy.com and browse their selection of handcrafted blacksmith merchandise and that sweet, swaggy apparel that he has. So check them out today. Yeah, check them out. There's good stuff. I, uh, I'm in the process of, of acquiring a knife. 
Um, I'm looking at my hooks, my railroad spike hooks and my study did you, at the church. Did you, dib up, did you dib up the knife? Are you taking the one that he sent us? The knife that he offered up to us, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's and, a good-looking uh, knife. Oh, yeah. But check him out on the social media at X, formerly known as Twitter, and uh, at St. Galgano Armory. Um, there, I believe that's the same handle on TikTok. Uh, I'm sorry, at St. Galgano. And then on Instagram, their handle is at St. Underscore Galgano Underscore Armory. He's the king of the underscores. Man, now I'm now I'm just thinking of the gorilla on the Jungle Book, and then I'm the king of the swingers, man. Jungle VIP. Sorry, that's that's where my head went. You're welcome. Inside show information, if you don't notice, Andy is a quasi-Disney adult. <laughs> and No, and I, so let me let me defend myself, okay? Well, like, I, I was going to tell a story about myself, but go ahead. Yeah, so the politics of Disney, I'm not about, okay? Oh, absolutely. But what I do love, and I don't make any qualms about it, is Disney music. And so here, here's the deal, okay? I am not one of these Christians who every time you get in their car or you come into my office, I've got Christian music playing. Sometimes I do. That's going to be a story for, for later on in this, this episode. But it's nothing for you to walk. When I was doing HR, which makes it even funnier if you know me, um, when I was doing HR work for a company, there was a lady that would walk into my office quite often and would make fun of me because at any given point I've got, you know, the little mermaid soundtrack, you know, VBS music from three years ago. Tupac oh, VBS and, music's the worst. I, dude, I love it. I get so hyped for VBS music. Uh, Tupac and Biggie and then Chris Tomlin, like just Toby Mac, all of that. Just one right after the other. Like I have music ADD, but I love Disney soundtracks. Um, when we go to the beach every other year, we go to Florida um, for Thanksgiving. Um, and every other year I embarrass my kids because what do I do? I run into the water and I know it's going to be freezing and it gets harder and harder the older I get, but I run into the water screaming the words to the Moana song and I dive under and I come up and just scream out. I am Moana. I don't care who's around because guess what? In a week, I'm never going to see those people again. Until they come happen. back. Until the they come back. Thanksgiving. But we don't go every year. It's every other year. So then they're not going to remember me. Because I'm sure there's a lot of fat people with beards out there. Screaming that they're Moana? Screaming that they're Moana. So they may, actually yeah. be, they may actually be Moana right now at Disney World. That's right. That's what I'm saying. You can't tell them how to feel. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I love Disney music. So my thing was, I remember the only times I've been to Disney World has been at Downtown Disney at multiple occasions. And I remember being Downtown Disney with you. So we're not in the park. And my joy of going to Disney is the Disney adults like who are 40 and 50 years old dressed as characters. Not like wearing the ears. I get it. You're there with your kids. Like, okay. But I'm talking about this. There was a there was a woman. No younger than than thirty. She's thirty five to forty five. Oh, I, I know. I I remember this fully decked got, out in a Cinderella dress, and she's not in the park. And I put my foot in my mouth about her, and I was like, "These Disney adults, I don't understand them." And I think Andy looked at me, and said, "I'm a Disney adult," and I felt like, "Oh, this is going to be a long trip home back to the hotel." <laughs> yeah. So, I, well, so I used to work at Disney World. Um, and my wife and I went to Disney on our honeymoon. And so we got the wedding ears, right? So, so Dr. Wife had the, the ears with the veil and they're white and pretty. Um, and I had the Mickey ears that had the top hat with the ears coming out of them. Okay. And so Ashley wore hers around the park our first day. And, you know, we got the, we got the button that says uh, honeymoon couple or something stupid like that. And, you know, they give you the buttons. You can get them on your birthday, your anniversary, whatever. And, you know, your first a lot visit. Of times, yeah. And a lot of times they'll give you perks. Right. They'll skip you to the front of the line if you're wearing one of those or something stupid like that. 
And so Ashley would, Dr. Wife would wear her pin every day, but not her ears. I wore those ears everywhere. To the, and, and, and that was a time in my life where I always had a baseball cap on. And so has that time changed? I don't wear a hat near as much as I used to, but not really. And so we're we're getting on the plane, boarding the plane in Orlando to fly back to wherever. I don't remember if we flew into Nashville or we flew into Louisville, uh, but mom was going to pick us up. And, you know, we're boarding together. And as we get on, Dr. Wife is like, are you taking those off? Because I still have the top hat on. And I was like, this is my honeymoon. No, I am wearing these. And so we get on the plane. The stewardesses are cackling. Like there are people looking at us. And I don't make it. So I'm a big guy. And the seatbelts don't always fit me. And you've flown with me. Yeah. So what what is the first thing I say to a stewardess besides how are you? My exact right. words are. And, and so now you have to have to put this. I've got a blue dress shirt untucked. Button down dress shirt, untucked, khaki shorts, you know, the the Mickey Mouse hat with ears. And I look at the stewardess who's already looking at me like, oh my God. Flight attendant, you... Andy. Flight attendant. I said what I said. Okay. <laughs> this stewardess slash flight attendant is looking at me like, I'm going to deal with this idiot this entire trip. I feel it in my bones. And I look at her and I smile and I go, hi, ma'am. How are you? She goes, I'm good. You know, find your seat. And I was like, do you have a fat extender? Oh, that's right. I do remember that. Yes, for the extender. Because I, I need the extender, but instead of calling it a seatbelt extender, because let's let's call a spade a spade. Like I'm a I'm a hefty dude. I'm like, hey, do you have a fat extender? And then she doesn't know how to how to respond. But Dr. Wife knows how to respond, and it's shut up, go to your seat, Andy. <laughs> and she just pushes me onto my seat. So, so next I, time we fly, that's what I can use. Shut up and go to your seat, Andy. Shut up and go to your seat, Andy. Yes. Yeah. It, it it happens. So yeah, flying with me is an experience. Flying with Chad makes you realize that he does have all the depravity because he is a horrible person to fly with. Uh, I, I got the know. TSA pre-check. Oh, you're checking a bag. What kind of fool checks a bag? <laughs> I never well, said uh, that. Did I? You did. <laughs> I've never seen so much disdain in a man. As we walk into the Indy airport, we've just been dropped off, and it clicks oh. in your head as I'm dragging my suitcase. I'm like, you're checking a bag? Well, yeah, buddy. I can't fit all my clothes into a backpack. Let me teach you. Yeah, I guess you're going to have to. And you're like, what fool checks a bag? And I was like, they'll never find your body when I'm done. So, so I, I've flown a ton. Like I couldn't tell you how many times I've flown. I mean, there lost were times... my hat in the, the Orlando <laughs> airport because somebody had to hurry up. No, I left you. I abandoned. Yeah, I know, you and so I had to hurry to catch you. So I lose. I left my favorite hat by mistake. Now, like the bomb squad's probably out <laughs> sniffing my hat for explosives. It's ridiculous. You didn't all have because, to hurry. I had a coffee and you, I waited. All because you can't be bothered. Anyway, sorry that yeah, that flight. man. I've been I've been harboring a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of hostility about that trip for a while now. I'm glad well, I can get that off my chest. Well, you know, I I flew with my wife for the first time, and I made her get pre-check. I believe I believe that was the first conversation me and Miss McCool had was yeah. me me texting her going, "I'm sorry that you're traveling with him," <laughs> and her just being like. Thank you, but why? And I'm like, you'll see. And then we've bonded over that ever since. She her pre-check number came two days before we were leaving. And I was like, because I might leave you at security. There's no might. There is no might. You most certainly would have. I would have. Don't no. Oh, honey, depending on how it goes, I might leave you at security. But I might also be a good husband and go through security. No. No. It's not at DIA. Not in Denver. That's right. You're dropping her off. I'm like, she's got weed in her shoe. And then you're running for pre-check. I mean, at Indy, I I could have gone through security with you at Indy. Indy security is a breeze. Like, it's it's the greatest airport in America. Don't at me. Indy is the greatest airport in America. Oh, and most certainly. I love love the Indy airport. But the Denver airport, I I would have left her at security and 
gone to the gates. When I flew out of Denver back back to Indy the, the time I came out. When of you Disney, came to see me? Yeah. Um, I had the mask on that looks like the dude's face with the beard. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they were still requiring masks. And I got pulled out so the dog could go through my backpack because they were mad that I had on that mask instead of one of the medical looking ones. And they're like, you have to wear this. And, I, you know, maybe I didn't necessarily agree with masking at the time um, because I was like, I'm I'm over this. And so, yeah, you're welcome. You can look at me like that. And I was like, well, where does the rule say that I have to have a certain kind of mask? It just says I have to wear a mask. And they're like, well, we need you to put this one on. And I was like, but but I have a mask. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the rule. And my my argument about flying is that the security rules change from airport to airport. Nothing is consistent. Oh, absolutely. And so yeah, um, so because of that, I got you know the drug dog, and I'm I'm notorious for doing something stupid in the airport. Oh, so in, C- in in Cedar Rapids, I had guns drawn on, on me one time. Um, in Nashville, I was strip searched because I forgot I didn't realize there was a gum wrapper in my pocket, and I kept making the thing go off. Um, in midair from Cedar Rapids to St. Louis, um, I threw up and passed out in the floor and tetris myself in between three three rows. Um, yeah, like if something bad is going to happen to somebody flying, it's it's going to be me. It's so if you ever need somebody to fly with, but you want a good story when you're done, give me a call. We'll go somewhere. And don't fly gotta, with me. Yeah, and don't fly with Chad because he don't leave you. <laughs> just if for I, temporarily. Just if I leave gate. you in the airport, it's because I've been arrested or detained. Okay. It's not because <laughs> I don't love you. It's because they're suspecting me of doing something stupid. Now I feel bad because that first time that I flew with my wife. I left her in the airport because I changed my plans midstream and I came to see you and I made her fly back yeah, you did. by herself. <laughs> don't fly with Chad. Don't, I've saw I've him. saw I've softened him. No, I haven't. I still like, I, don't, I have this instilled. Don't you in sit me. don't you sit live on air or pre-recorded, depending on when you're listening, um, and lie to these people. <laughs> Poor Melinda's sitting there listening to you lie, and then you're going to stand up in the pulpit and preach on Sunday. <laughs> she you worship God with those mouths. Uh, oh, but let's right. let's get on topic. Let's get on topic now that that I've shared some dirty secrets. Um, last thirty, we need marriage counseling to get over the Orlando episode. Yeah, there's some hostility between us that I didn't know that was See, there. And I have good thoughts about Orlando because I just went to Shake Shack last week after visiting with somebody. And oh, I, I have a lunch. lot of good thoughts about And I think about Orlando. my first Shake Shack experience that I want I waited years for was with you in Orlando. You know, you know what my favorite and then then we'll move on after this. My favorite thing that we ate there outside of the food trucks was that hole in the wall Chinese place. The Szechuan we place. It was straight yeah. Szechuan. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think about that like once a month. That like we went there and we both sat in the parking lot. We may not make it out of this alive. And if we do, we're going to have to fight over the bathroom tonight. But- Middle of COVID. COVID's, it's just COVID has It's the week before the country shuts down. And in Florida, it's dropping like flies. They're gathering up cases. And we go. I know this is going to sound politically incorrect but we go to a welcome to the Szech- show a straight szechuan restaurant where no one speaks english and they're all they're all chinese and we're thinking well if we're gonna get this thing it's gonna happen now and we did it the lady had to ask us four times what we wanted to drink because neither one of us knew what she said yeah. finally she just brought us water which was fine uh, yeah, i asked I for finally... sweet <laughs> I asked for sweet tea and they brought me hot tea and sugar packets. Well, you know, and, and we, we've we already talked about it, how your tea experience went at the hipster coffee shop in Kansas City. Turner, speaking of that, today at school, um, they're having a tea party because they're studying the Boston Tea Party. And so Turner's been worried all week, all weekend, because he's like, well, what am I, can I try sweet tea? If we go to a restaurant, can I try your sweet tea to make sure I'm going to like it? And the only thing I could tell him was just drink it, but make sure you're classy. Pinky's out, son. Pinky's out. See, I would have told him, 
if, if Turner was my kid or I knew this, I would have told him to dress as a Native American and throw it out the window. <laughs> Come on, let's do the Boston Tea Party well, okay? Oh, this is why Ashley doesn't let you text Turner. <laughs> Dr. Wife would kill you. All right, so last week I chaperoned two churches. Um, and there's there's some funny some funny conversations that happen, but uh my old church um from Terre Haute came down to, to Evansville to uh to Winter Jam. Um and so I went as their second chaperone. Shout out Walter. My, <laughs> Walter, God, I love dubs. Um and then so then um my current church, uh Macedonia, they brought you know a, a group from, from there. Um, and so we intermingled the two groups. Um, that sparked a lot of a lot of fun conversations. Um, but in the middle of the concert, this band called Kane. Um, some of you may know them. Some of you may not. I it's, I knew very few of the songs that they sang, and the ones that they sang, I was like, I questioned theologically. There was one that was very name it and claim it, and if. Uh, you know anything about me at all? I'm not a fan of the name it and claim it gospel. Um, plus, there's a point You're just where not too praying much... hard enough. That's why it doesn't work for you. Thanks, John. You just um, <laughs> um, sorry that that escalated quickly. Um, so, um, at some point, too much tie dye is too much. Right there is oh. a there's a fine line on how much tie dye you can have. That um, line is no tie dye. That's oh, well, the line. That, okay, I'm glad we're on the same point. But this everything was tie dye. There was it was a two women and a man, um, all just like tie dyed and flower power. And it's like, are we are we smoking weed or are we praising Jesus? Aren't they related? Is that the band that they're all siblings or something? Or I mean, I'm getting I somebody know. else. I don't know. But anyway, one of their songs. Um, and, and I might catch flack for this, but whatever. One of their songs was uh, something to the effect of, I can't love you any more than I do right now. And it is a song from the perspective of God looking down on us. I have an issue with that. But I kept that issue to myself because in the middle of a concert, that's not the best time to have theological discussions with students because they can't hear you. You can't really hear them. We'll suss it out later. Right? I, that makes sense to me. Um, and then all of a sudden, a freshman uh, from my current church kind of leans over and he's like, and I, I sent you a text immediately. Yeah. And he goes, out of nowhere and unprovoked, he says, I hate when bands sing songs from God's point of view. How dare them? And I was like, oh my God, you're spitting straight fire. This is also a kid who is super quiet at church, but then at the concert, never shut up. And so I'm like, I don't know who you are and what happened was he, to... Was he critical at the concert? It was mostly, oh, I didn't know they sang the song. I didn't know. But there was a few times where me and him both were like, eh. He, he might be reformed. Don't tell that church. Um, but yeah, and so like, there was a few times where we were both like, uh. Um, and uh, I learned that sometimes, um, stuff like that can give you the ick. Have you heard of the ick? I learned about no, the but ick. I, I mean, I have a, I can surmise what the ick is. Yeah. A lot of Christian songs make me feel icky. Yeah. That's what it is. Like, you're just not interested in them. They've, they've done something and it gives you the ick and you don't want to do anything with them anymore. Like there was some of the music that was played there that was like, Ugh. also, I realized that was old for a youth pastor because while I was super excited for Lecrae, I also got super pumped for new song um, who had just, well, the same kid that said that also said the lead singer of new song looked like Jack Black, just old and Christian. He's an old Christian version of Jack Black. And you can't unsee that now. So and I say all that to say, Chadwick, what are your opinions on songs from God's perspective. Well, not, first your, saying, not, not your perspective of God through a song, but like God is singing the song to us. First, uh, I'll just say the controversial thing. I'd have got up and walked out when Lecrae took the stage. 
But um, Lecrae's woke. He he's not preaching the gospel anymore. Like he's he's uh, if you look at what he's been saying, like he's definitely deconstructed. He's uh, he's uh. He well, he sang a lot of his old stuff and a lot of his old Oh, he probably still stuff. will because that's what people want. <laughs> they all want to hear church clothes. Um, but church yeah. Church clap, sir, not church clothes? Church clothes was his first, was the first album, the one that he self-released. So, oh, okay. ha, ha, volume one and volume two. Ah, that's on that's on me. My bad. That's on me. I do know my Christian hip hop. I may look like <laughs> a white old man, but I do know my Christian hip hop. And the sad thing is some of them have just gone really just uh they've deconstructed and it's just really kind of a false gospel. But um I, I think anything when you're writing from God's perspective that isn't what has been written in scripture from God's perspective, um I think is is unbiblical, whether it's songs, whether I mean, it, it, we can, you know, those Jesus calling devotionals and everything that came with that, the entire quote unquote ministry that came from, I think Sarah Young was her name. Um, they're all written. Those devotionals are written from as if it was in Jesus's voice. And I think, you know, Psalm 30, uh, verse five and six tells us that every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words in verse six, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. So I think adding to God's words, adding to God's voice, Jesus's voice, ultimately, right? The scripture tells us we're lying. Yeah. And so I guess, one, I, I wholeheartedly agree with the kid. Like, oh, absolutely. I I, I, I want to meet this we, kid. We, uh, yeah. Um, but then on the other hand, I was like, more and more Christian bands try to push the envelope. One, because they want to get music out. And, and sometimes I think they do it with the best of intentions. You know, they want people to know how much God loves them and how much God wants them and this and that and everything else. But I think it's real easy to cross the line. And, and I think once you cross the line, it's a lot easier to go away from scripture well it's a platform and and, and kind of of make scripture what you wanted we see a lot of a lot of pastors do that right where we make scripture fit to our narrative and we make scripture fit to culture um you know we talked about it the last time with the the, the he gets us you know it's it's best of intentions i think at least in the beginning but it, it's gone and maybe maybe that's a poor one to say has the best of intentions but i think you know some of the times they come out with the best of intentions but you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions yeah and, and there are there are a lot of good christian bands christian musicians who nobody knows about because they're not played on k-love or air one and so they miss out on that platform and they're doing really good stuff. Like I'm going to go see next month, uh, this kid that I've wanted to see for quite a couple of years now, quite a few years now, Chris Renzema, this, this kid's song is catalogs incredible. Um, and, but you know, nobody knows who he is cause it's not being played on K love or whatever the popular Christian station is in your town, which is probably a K love or air one. And they build those. It's, I mean, it's so basically Christian radios become the same difference as, as, pop radio i mean they want to play taylor swift singing christian songs with a, a stink you just need a stink of christianity on it. you very not even a pungent thing but yeah i mean you can get the the taylor swift study bible which is ridiculous but no like when we went we went november can we, we get that the... can we budget for that and we can just go through a devotional in the taylor swift study bible yeah, is this it's... is this her thoughts it's they they're taking her lyrics and twisting them into Christian faith. It's it's a thing. Oh, I don't, I'm excited. I, I mean, we may have to buy one just for show purposes. I'm going to see if um, I can get an excerpt. A lot of times you can download like a chapter. I'm going to see yeah. if I could get that. Stay, stay tuned for future episodes because this could get good, folks. But we're, where was I going? We're oh, isolating so, so last, the Swifties. That's right. We're, <laughs> we're gonna make a lot of people mad um so last november me and dr wife took our boys to their first concert 
And we wanted it to be somewhat meaningful, like where they would know some of the songs, but it was also a, a, a quote unquote safe place, right? Like I'm not going to take them to concert that's going to have a mosh pit or a secular concert where some some shady stuff. Not not all secular concerts, but the kind of music that I would listen to secularly, probably not the best for for kids. So we went and saw David Crowder. And I, I love Crowder. I have I have a deep love for Crowder. One, I have a lot of beard jealousy with Crowder. Like I want that man's beard. Um but his opening act, I can't even remember who it was, okay? Um but he he gave his testimony and I mean it rings true if you listen to his music. He's a failed pop star. He he got signed as a into a boy band when he was like 17 and they failed. And so he just brought that same, he's not writing any of his music. It's all being written for him. And like his band was played through like a, a track. And then he I supposedly played the guitar along with it. But it was all singing a falsetto. And a, like, I just want to dance and shake my body. And there were a couple times that he like almost did some inappropriate dance moves, but then caught himself and remembered where he was. Which then made me think like, this is what Christian music has become. It's not like, I don't need to see, I don't need my kids. I don't need my nieces to come see this, you know, somewhat attractive early twenties guy shake, shake his moneymaker all in the name of the Lord. He because, looks homeless and I'm pretty sure he's pushing 40. No, I'm not talking about Crowder. I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Act. Oh, oh, no Crowder. I was like, no, Crowder was... trying to do suggestive dances. No, just no. Fine logic. <laughs> no, it was Crowder's opener. Got you. Crowder, no, Crowder, he's the only man I know that will play the banjo like he's playing a an electric guitar for a mosh pit song. Um, because that's that's my kind, that's what I'm talking about. But no, this this young kid, he's you know, early, early to mid twenties, and he's up there gyrating for the Lord. And I just it doesn't make sense to me on what are we what are we talking about? Well, let's let let, let excess out that statement, right? I know it's not necessarily appropriate, but the the gyrating for the Lord. I, I think there's so much things, and, and maybe this is redundant to the he gets us conversation, but there's so many things that we see in Christianity today, in churches today, and I think this goes back to the church not bringing the gospel to culture, right? Particularly like the sexy church plants and all that stuff. It's not the, the church bringing the gospel to the culture. It's the, the cultures, the church is acquiescing to the culture and the culture is impeding the church and penetrating right. the church. And so you, you know, so now you have people who are like, well, this is, this is appropriate. This is Christian, you know, Kanye's a Christian, so he can go parade his, you know, his wife in basically, you know, Nothing, you know, the and, and I, it, the sad thing is, is that this makes the news. I literally look at a newspaper for baseball stories. Uh, and, and this is the headline is Kanye parading his wife wearing like electrical tape. Um, so even if you're avoiding it, it's it's I mean, to to guard our eyes is literally to almost like the Benedict option looks better and better every day, even though I don't agree with it. But it's almost like you cannot like partake in any kind of secular culture at all no like culture is going to hell in a handbag real quick and that and that it has, is, and it has been for a while i don't want to make it sound like this happened overnight but right but it, it's, it, dripping, it's a slow fade but it's been dripping and now it's a it's a steady trickle if not a pour from culture the hell in the handbasket stuff of culture dripping right into the church yeah and and the look at the super bowl it, sermons yeah, I mean, the sad thing is it's that trickle is now turned into a we're one we're one step away from the dam breaking. Oh, your that downspout's been pouring through from a you know ten inches of rain an hour. I mean, just talking about this makes me think of the time at Agape where I I went to fill the baptistry and forgot that I turned the water on. Right, and then thirty minutes later. It's like, man, what is that noise? And water is just gushing out of the baptistry through the wall into the back of the church and onto the stage. And like, oh, you just reminded me I have to empty mine. 
I was a, I was a, I called, I called one of our elders and I was like, Hey, let's pretend that some idiot overflowed the baptistry. How quick can you get to church? And he was like, is this hypothetical? And I go, do you think I would call you with a hypothetical? Like get here and bring a shot back or three. Was this Jason? Yes. <laughs> I ain't never seen that man move that quick. It was, he was ready. Me, him and Dave, like. But so, so this kid from your church who, who sat there and, and said that to you, right? That There's hope in that. Like that makes me hopeful because I know I'm, I'm yeah. going to, you know, and, and I know people might disagree with me, but from a, a pastoral standpoint, the church, you know, I don't want to blame all, all in the seeker sensitive movement from the late eighties and the nineties, but definitely, I mean, even a, a church planning network that I was a part of, they, they basically had a very, a formula for the pastors and the pastors all had to look the same, act the same. And they've grown to become, they've grown to be more and more effeminate. Um, and I think the church really, you know, you go into your average size church that's been established for, you know, longer than 30 years, 25, 30 years. Um, and, and it looks like it's a church that caters to women and from the decor, you know, and, and so a lot of this, you know, even from the songs of G from Jesus's perspective, but if, if it's not that, then it's Jesus is my boyfriend. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard pressed in Christian music. You can line it up with pop songs and just read the, read the lyrics and like, are they singing about Jesus or are they singing about a, a boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, something in that vein. And so there's hope to me that this young man can see that already as a freshman at 14, 15 years old. And that there's hope that there is still like the church has not completely, <laughs> completely got yeah. off the oh, rails. For absolutely. The and mainstream and, church, the mainstream church. And so here, and here's what I'm going to say. And, and this is going to sound bad. I don't know that he got that teaching from church. Okay. I don't know that in youth group, we, we, they've talked about it very much and I can't speak to what they've talked about in youth group before I was there. Um, I know that our senior pastor was the youth pastor. Um, and I know that he's solid. Mm -hmm. But I know that I'm a youth pastor, and I I don't necessarily hit on music often, if any, right? So I don't know. I, I think that came from the parents, which excited me more than the fact that if it would have come from a youth group, right? I think the parents are solid in their teaching of their children. And I think as parents, we need to have a more active role in how we teach our children Um what we're teaching them. And I, so I go back and I think when I was at the, the Baptist church there in, in Terre Haute, um, one particular family never let their child go to children's church. You know, their, their older kids always came to youth group and were always involved. The younger kid, um, they, she would go to children's activities, right. But would never go to children's church. And I remember going up to the parents, we went over, for dinner one day, and I think I've told this story before, but we went over for dinner one night and I was like, hey, why doesn't little Susie ever go to children's church? Like, I don't, it doesn't affect me any. I said, I just noticed because um, I, I was on a rotation was teaching there with, with Dr. Wife and my kids went and because uh, we're in my family and that family were very, very tight with the children's director. And so I was like, why, why isn't little Susie going to the children's program? And she said, because I want to control what my children learn. Mm -hmm. And it's not that some of the people that are teaching in the children's department purposely teach wrong stuff, but I think push comes to shove. They can't answer questions. And I don't want my child getting the wrong gospel. Well, I'll say it. I think that, in a lot of churches, I'm not speaking about what you had at, at your church, at your previous church, but in a lot of churches, the kids are getting trash. Oh, absolutely. Because there are people that aren't taking it serious when the well, teacher was. And sometimes in these churches, I'm not like just berating all of them. 
they're indirectly giving them trash because someone led them to this curriculum and said, just use this, use this. And, and a lot of times lead pastors, senior pastors, whatever you want to call them, they do not vet what goes on in children's youth or women's ministry. Just like, hey, Lifeway's got this. This is gold. Have you seen what Lifeway sells? And as a Southern Baptist, I will tell you, have you seen what Lifeway sells? Oh, absolutely. And I think like, and I've noticed with us since we've started, you know, volunteering in the children's wing uh, here, like we get the curriculum and and children's curriculum, I, I get not everybody teaches the way that I teach. Right? Sure. But I get real disheartened because it's like a five minute talk on a set of, on a Bible story where you, you know, you read this thing and it's a five minute talk that gives you a very basic explanation of of the story right and i get you're not going to be able to go real deep with with preschoolers i get it oh absolutely but but i i think if you put the time in you can mm -hmm. and so then you've got this this five minute thing followed by uh seven minute crafts and then as the teacher you're like well let's just let them play and goof off because it's easier than to do anything else. Because, you know, like, I love Connor, but I know that his sermons are going to be longer than 15, 20 minutes, which is all that, that we get for, you know, the kids program. And that's, and that's not bashing on my my kids program, because I, I love my kids program. I think that the lady that runs that does very well. I think that's something that is a problem within the church and with the writers of the curriculum. Now, when, when Dr. Wife and I teach, like, I'll have the kids find the Bible story in the Bible and then I'll teach them. Like I do the youth group, I'll go verse by verse and explain. Like I, I remember we were doing Rahab, the prostitute, right? I, I drew Rahab, the prostitute. That was mine and Dr. Wife's turn to, to teach. You're, I did not you're a braver, you're a braver man than mine. I use Rahab, the harlot. And I told him to go ask her mom and dad. What I, I did not, I did not refer to her as Rahab, the prostitute. I just referred to her as Rahab. Um, but like I was still teaching and there were parents coming to get their kids mm. and the kids are like, but we didn't get to play and we didn't get to, to do the craft. And so one of the parents were like, well, what did you do? And I was like, oh, I taught. And they're like, well, what do you mean you taught? I was like, I taught the story of Ray. I said, hey, I said, what was the point behind today's uh, lesson? And this little like first grader spat it out. Like God uses who God uses all for the glory of God. And the lady was like, oh. And so then we get in the car and my son is like, yeah, that's that's not normally how kids church goes. And I was like, well, I bet it is when I'm there. Yeah. Because like Leah was right. You can't trust everybody to teach your children. So um, you as a parent James James tells us, right? James tells us that not all of us can be teachers because of our tongue. Come on. So I mean, you have to be you have to take an active role in your kids biblical learning it's absolutely not, it's not the pastor's responsibility it's not the youth pastor's responsibility although in my house it was the youth pastor's responsibility because i was a youth pastor um it's not the children's director it's not it's not the worship leader it's not the youth volunteers or the kids volunteers to make sure your kid understands doctrine and theology and here's the thing i have a seven-year-old who has the attention span of a fly like but it's my responsibility for him to to learn doctrine and theology. Yeah, and, and, and I think that and go this, ahead, this no, and then this parent uh, of this kid who said that at the concert, like I just want to high five them and hug them. Yeah, and, and the other they're parent doing that a you phenomenal used, job. Yeah, and the other parent that you used at the other church, right? Not wanting to put their children in it. It makes me think of Paul's you know, letter to the Ephesians in Ephesians five, where he lays out the, uh, you know, the ground rules for wives and husbands. And ultimately, right. I know we don't like to hear this, but it's very complementarian in what Paul writes in Ephesians five, starting in verse 22. If you want to, if you ever want to check that out, but God's called the husband, 
right? And so when, as society, as Satan's really tried to destroy the nuclear family, and even these folks that have a traditional nuclear family, they're still, the men are still being like Adam because God's called, you know, he's called the husband to exercise leadership in the household. And obviously, right, uh, the caveat is that this leadership's not absolute because the husband's not supposed to um, direct his family into sin, you know, or call his wife or his children to sin, but the husband's leadership role gives him the initiative, right, in directing his family to glorify the Lord, to which the wife and the children respond. So in your case, it was the youth pastor's responsibility because you were the youth pastor, but because ultimately you were the husband and the father first before you were the youth Absolutely. pastor. And, Absolutely. and youth ministry, children's ministry, uh, young adult ministry is not a, a, a drop-off daycare center you know, or, or I'm sorry, a, a drop-off theological center that, that should support, they should get something from there and they can come to you with questions and you should, if they're getting, if they're not getting right theology, it's up to us as leaders in our homes and, and, and for wives and mothers, if their husband is not taking on the role of spiritual leader in his homes, or he's not a believer, if they're unyoked, it's, it's a parental responsibility to do that. You're absolutely right. So Andy, I, I got to start praying to Jesus because we have no internet at the church and I'm running on a hot spot now. Yeah, so here, here's the thing, guys. This is the joy of our dumpster fire. Uh, his internet went out and neither one of us really know where we were at in the process of talking. Um, Something with Ephesians 5 and be the theological leaders of your kids and your wives. Man, yeah, men, <laughs> men, you are. I, I know what I was going to respond, if you will. Go ahead, do it. Uh, that's where we'll pick up. That's where we'll pick up. So, you know, men, we are, we are called to be the spiritual leaders of our home, and I, I'll admit, I fail at that more than I should. Right? Because one, I should, I shouldn't fail at it at all. But I mean, I, I do. I fail at it a lot, and I, it's not an intentional thing. It, you know, we get busy or we get sidetracked, this, that, and everything else, but. As a, a body, as a whole, right? I think if you look at Christian society as a whole, men have screwed up and we have fallen away and we have put too much pressure on our wives and the women of the church to lead because we have not. Um, and I think that is part of the reason why the church is in the state that it is. I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing so many quote unquote women pastors and and this is getting off on a tangent that you know we can we can cover in another episode. Um it's a hot topic right now, especially within the SBC. Um but yeah like the reason we're having these issues of well why can't women be elders and why can't women be pastors a lot of that stems from because men aren't stepping up. I look at the church I came from on our deacon and elder board, we had multiple women on that because men were not stepping up. If something had to get done within the church, either a woman did it or a woman found somebody to do it because the men would not step up. You talk about how we feminize the church, uh, anything from aesthetics to um, music to the way the services ran, you know why that is? Because men oh, do not yeah. step up. Yeah, they go hand in and hand. So, yeah, so men, and I'm talking to me and you, just like I'm talking to, to you know, a a Appalachistan and DJ and Brandon. Do we know that? And, <laughs> and whatever. I think Appalachistan might be a bot. <laughs> nah, nah, I don't. I think they're... no, he's he's not. <laughs> but Keith, right at St. Gagano, I'm talking to you guys, just like I'm talking to us, just like I'm talking to to every other listener that listens to us. Uh, if you are a man, shut up and step up. Right, quit putting other things before your children's spiritual walk. Quit putting other things before your wife's spiritual walk. Stop putting other things before your spiritual walk. You are responsible for the theology and the doctrine that your family gets. And you say, well, Andy, what about the pastor of the church? That's their job. No. 
Because, look, I, I'll tell you this right now. Dr. Wife and I have shopped some churches in our, in our day from the times where we moved. And there are some churches that maybe we liked the people. Um, maybe we felt welcome. And we thought maybe we'll go there. And then certain phrases were said. And I just flat out said, no, we're not going there. Like we can't, that's theologically incorrect. We can't, we can't go there. So yes, okay. It is your pastor's job on Sundays to do the preaching and the teaching and to make sure that he is accurate. Okay. Oh, you just triggered me. Behold, but, I thought, I remember what I was leading off with. Who's church for? Is church for believers or unbelievers? I mean, I know what I want to say, but I'm so worried you're going to tell me I'm wrong. It's. A, I mean, I. What do you want? What, what? What's your answer? I want to say churches, while it can be good for unbelievers, I Amen. think church is. I think church is for equipping believers Correct. to go out and spread the gospel and make disciples. And so much of this issue we have is that church today is directly directed towards unbelievers. Oh, absolutely. And, and I and think like I was saying, that backs up your point. Yeah. Like I was saying, so I love, I love Pastor Connor dearly. Uh, really good friend of mine here. Um, if I think that he said something wrong on a Sunday morning, don't think before I leave that church, I'm not going to go up to him and be like, Hey, good sermon love where your heart's at let's talk about x i don't think that fits here's the thing if i'm teaching the youth group or if i'm teaching a wednesday night study which i, I preached the last two wednesday nights um for the adults and the week before that i did the youth if i say something wrong i expect someone to call me out on because if I'm teaching wrong doctrine, I'm probably not doing it on or wrong theology. I'm not doing it on purpose. I am a flawed man, just like you, sir, are a flawed man, just like everybody else listening are flawed, right? Man or woman, we are flawed. And so I'm not saying that I can't interpret something wrong or I can't put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable, right? Um but I want to be called on it. I used to tell my youth group all the time, like, don't take what I'm saying as gospel truth. Take what I'm saying, match it with scripture. And here's the thing. If scripture says this and I've said this and they don't line up, guess which one of us is wrong? Here's a hint. It's me. So men, shut up and step up. And, you know, I was convicted of this by a, a friend of mine, Pastor Gail Holt, Crossroads Church in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. If you're down there and you're looking for a solid church, go see Gail at Crossroads. But he said it comes down to non-negotiables. And then the fact that on the mirror, and I, I am blessed that I have a private bathroom in my study at the church. And in my mirror on the bathroom, I now will post it with that about the non-negotiables. Like there are things we have to make as non-negotiable. And, and I think the spirituality, the not the spirituality, but the spiritual health of our families, um, what we're doing with our wives and children, church, prayer meetings, things like that. Those take for us, they should be a non-negotiable rather than, well, you know, watching Thursday night football and eating wings becomes a non-negotiable instead of sitting through my family through going through a devotion. Or I'm just taking that out of a, you know, I'm just plucking that out of the air as an example. No, I got you. That makes sense. So yeah, I think I think your your step up and shut up really ties down to what are you making non-negotiables in your life? What are you? I'm old, so if you had a day planner, you put you put some appointments in pencil and you put some appointments in ink. And they should be appointments in ink. They're not erasable. Yeah. Don't nod your head when I say I'm old. But I'm not going to disagree with you there, Grant. Who, who, who's been hobbled for two weeks? Hi, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not walking too well right now, and I can't figure out why. It's disheartening. But so that's where I'm at. I just, you know, I, I thought to myself when he said that, I'm one, I've never been more proud of a student 
that wasn't accepting Christ for the first time right then. Mm. Um, and and two, like I, I love these this kid's parents because they they've got it right. Amen. So that's a that's a good that's a good way to end on this. And I'm gonna have to get to work and do some editing. Yeah, better you than me, my friend. Actually, in my my telltale methodology, I may just splice these two together because I am lazy and I have still have to do sermon prep today. (laughs) But you can reach out to us on X at Hill Hipster Pod. Uh, We are on Instagram at Hill Hipster Pod. And you could always go old school and email us hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, you got questions, things you want us to talk about. Uh, give us a review if you're if you're listening to this on either Apple or Spotify. Give us a a five star review, um, and let me know that maybe just let me know that Andy's right about he gets us. Yeah. Don't forget uh, to check out Saint Galgano Armory. Check out their blacksmith merchandise and apparel. At Saint and Algano Armory, Armory.etsy.com. Uh, again, you can reach out to them on X or uh, X and TikTok at Saint Algano, Instagram at Saint underscore Galgano underscore Armory. I know Keith sent me an email address, and I don't have that in front of me, but uh, we'll get that to you. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, and uh, I do know that he he uses it because friend of the show DJ is emailing him right now about a project that he wants. So, so you can, you can request stuff as well if it's not on his, his website. And shout out DJ. He can get his Chandy, although a little bit late this week, we are recording this usually on the day that we drop, but Andy's pending middle, middle age has affected our recording schedule. My middle-aged joints are not working well, and I've been I've been down, and then just you know youth trips and stuff that I probably shouldn't have gone on were there. So, so my apologies. It's on me this time for for being late, but we'll be we'll be back on schedule next week. I promise. Barring anything major, I mean I could still get this up on a Monday, and we'll be on track. <laughs> All right, Andy. Last word. Just do what you need to do. Like I, I countless times I've heard my wife and myself tell my son, um, well, both sons, um, just do what you know is right. Do what you know you need to be doing. Men, it's not easy to do the right thing. It's not always fun to have to step up and say, Hey, I'm gonna lead, whether it's at church or whether it's at home, and we could just wait and let somebody else do it. But just because we can wait and let somebody else do it doesn't mean we should wait and let somebody else do it. Mm. So, and I and I know it's popular now to to bash on the patriarchy, and it's pop, uh, it's it's popular now to empower everything else. And you know, women they have a role, right? I'm not saying that they should just shut up and go sit in a corner, because uh, a lot of times I should probably sh- shut up and go sit in a corner. But uh, I do know one thing, and that is they make better sandwiches and pies. Dr. I'm just kidding. That's an Easter egg. That is an Easter egg for someone by themselves, and that's it. Oh, Dr. Wife is going to beat you and me both. It's not meant for her. It's an Easter egg. I know. I know it's not meant for her, but, and I know who it's meant for, and, um, that makes me giggle, but you know, just don't be surprised if you don't get a knife pulled on you here in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, man, just look, if God's calling you to lead lead and how do you know that God's calling you to lead? Are you a Christian man? Do you have a family? Are you an active church member? If you can answer yes to any of these, then yes, he's calling you to lead. Maybe not, a huge leadership role, but some sort of some well, sort of servant. I think the non-negotiable is your household. Right, right. Oh, absolutely. But like at church, you know, maybe your version of leading and servitude is just sitting on a committee or taking out the trash 
or doing, you know, whatever you Those are needed. Do. Those Set are needed. Up chairs, take down chairs if you're portable. So, so do it. Don't wait for somebody else. Do it. Amen. That's my last word. Amen. Nike it, baby. Just do it. So remember that uh, although they may sound good, the uh, the best sounding Christian songs come from bad churches. And I encourage you, if you go to Spotify, if you want to hear some really solid Christian music from God's word, from the Psalms, put the music. Remember, God gave us a songbook. So worship leaders, uh, when you're scratching your head what to do on Sunday, God gave us a songbook, smack dab in the middle of the Old Testament. Um, but check out uh, a gentleman by the name of Brian Sauve. Um, his last name is S-A-U-V-E. He pastors a church, I believe, in, in the Ogden, Utah area. Um, just some really great, really some great music, uplifting music. And you know what? Your youth ministry kids aren't going to ask you or your kids aren't going to turn to you and be like, I hate songs that speak in God's voice. Uh, good stuff. Well, again, check us out. Hill Hipster Pod. We're on the on the X and the tw- and the Instagram. Uh, you can email us hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. And Andy, it's been swell. It has. It's been too long. It has. And remember, folks, if not a Christian nation, whose nation? There it is. Where's the record button to stop it? (laughs) 